Sterling unloads one deep left center. Back to the warning track goes Herrera. Here the wall, it's off the base. Here's Nimmo around third. He'll come in to score. The Mets take the lead. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Shea Station podcast brought to you by John Boy Media. Sorry we took kind of a break there. I'm, uh, I was feeling a little under the weather, but we're back now. We're ready to talk about another series win against Philadelphia. Jerry, I haven't talked to you in a while. How are you doing? I man? know. First of all, no need to apologize. We didn't take a break. We didn't skip any days. We just didn't get the content out on the off day. So if right. the Mets take an off day, you know, you running, feeling under the weather yourself can get an off day too. We didn't it's miss anything. Excuse. We didn't skip a, skip a series. We're putting out the content that we were destined to put out. Exactly. And I mean, you know what? Like if the Mets are taking time to relax, I feel like I should be able to too. But you know, content's a race. I get it. I understand. It's a whole grind. Well, yeah, but I'm good, man. We have, this is a busy week. Um, My son turns four on the 14th. And so we have his party on Saturday. And then we have uh, one of his preschool classmates has their party on Sunday uh, so it's just a full, full week. We're all planning. My wife is, we're hosting here. And so my wife is, um, busy readying the house. Cause she's, a. this is where she shines. She shines in many areas, but mm-hmm. hosting like an event is, is truly remarkable with what she does. So I just sit back and enjoy it. And you told me before we started recording the show that you were on the A's broadcast this week. Is that correct? Yeah, I did uh, the, the pregame show yesterday because the A's are playing in Detroit. So they called me in. Um, they wanted to relive our 2012 Oakland A's season since it's the 10-year anniversary. Um, and they played Detroit. We played Detroit in the playoffs. Um, just a magical season. You know, I've talked about it before. My favorite baseball season I've ever been a part of as a player. Um, awesome. So it was fun to talk about that, to relive a little bit. Yeah, Mets fans, if you're not familiar with that team, uh, go check them out. Go familiarize yourself. It's a great story. Jerry's a huge part of that team. Jerry's told me many stories about Super uh, fun, man. It's, uh, you know, there's, it's unlikely, like a, like an underdog story. And that's, you know, that's the, that's for me, that's the most fun in sports is like when you're come out of kind of nowhere, it's beautiful. So, but let's talk Mets, man. Yeah, this I was going to say. Or they don't care about A's content. This is a Mets we're Shea Station. This isn't the Coliseum chat, you know, whatever. Ooh. That's the best I can come with. If we ever start an Ace, Ace podcast, that's pretty good, man. How about Coliseum, Coliseum Convo or something like Ooh, that? Ooh, I like that. I, I don't like know. That. Well, I was going to say, my, my perfect segue was kind of ruined there because I was going to say the 2012 A's had some magic. So did our Mets this past weekend. And you just threw an accident, man. Gosh. Come on. Oh, I, come I, on. I always, I, you can't have fun. That's why we can't have nice <laughs> things, Jolly. Guys, the Mets won another series. They haven't lost one this year. And the talk of the town is what happened in game one. I'm going to take you right there if that's cool with you, Jerry. Let's do Taiwan it. Taiwan Walker had to face the Phillies yet again. The guy can't catch a break. He has to face the same lineup over and over and over again. He finally got roughed up a little bit, which is to be expected when you're facing you know that potent lineup over and over. He went four innings. He allowed uh, six earned runs, nine hits, two walks, two strikeouts, and two home runs. We hadn't really seen the home run ball plague Taiwan yet this season, uh, but it kind of all encapsulated in the third inning there. 
The four-run first inning kind of got uh, heightened by Lindor's error. That was a little uncharacteristic. And uh, Taiwan will hopefully get to face the Nationals in this upcoming series and get a nice change of pace. Aaron Nola, on the other hand, was awesome. He's looked pretty good against the Mets this year. He struck out seven over seven solid innings, one earned run there, three hits, one walk, and just the Starling Marte home run. Starling Marte is a huge uh, star of this game. We're going to talk a little bit more about him in a little bit. Uh, Adonis Medina and Jason Shreve in sort of garbage time relief, if you can call it that, were really, really good. Four shutout innings. They kept the Mets in the ball game. We didn't really know uh, if it was going to be a ball game until the ninth inning, but they proved to be kind of the uh, unsung MVPs of this game because of what happened in the ninth inning. The Mets came into the ninth inning down 7-1. to one. James Norwood took the mound for the Phillies. And then, I don't really know, Starling Marte beats out an infield single by a stride. Lindor breaks out of his slump with a two-run home run. An Alonzo double, a McNeil single, Canna hits a ball that would be a tailor-made up-the-middle double play, and it just kicks off the leg of Corey Kniebel. Uh, Miraculously, the Mets catch a break, they get an RBI infield hit. JD hits a fastball, he's been really struggling with it this year, he turns on one, shoots it down the left field line, that's an RBI double. And then Brandon Nimmo sees the Kniebel curveball, the first pitch, remembers it, gets it on the third pitch, and just dunks it into center field. Jankowski was the pinch runner. He scores from second. The Mets tie the game at seven. Starling Marte jumps on the first pitch. I thought it was going to be a two-run homer. It bounces off the top of the center field wall for an RBI double. And the Mets put together five consecutive two-out RBIs to complete a seven-run rally with just 29 pitches thrown over 11 batters, which is incredible. And uh, Kniebel, who had been really good to that point, he allowed one earned run in 10 to third innings prior, lets up three runs uh, before he finishes the inning. Edwin Diaz, who's looked great all season, came in for a perfect opportunity for him, locked down a perfect ninth, got his sixth save, and the Mets won another game that I feel like I've seen these Mets lose before. It was wonderful. We'll circle back, but we're moving on to game two. We had two rainouts. We had a rained out the following day and then a doubleheader rain out. Uh, so this is a couple of days later. The, the momentum kind of shifted. Uh, you didn't feel that, you know, that dominance coming back. The, the Phillies got to actually take a deep breath and gather themselves. Max Scherzer on the bump against Kyle Gibson. Kyle Gibson got roughed up a little bit with the Mets in his last outing. Uh, was really erratic with his location. Um, he turned it on. Um, Scherzer goes six, gave up three runs on 10 hits, mostly weak, but Bryce Harper had his number, jumped on him in the first inning with a big uh, two-out home run, and then later with uh, uh, a nice little knock to center field, knocked in the second run of the game. Um, Mets go one for six with runners in scoring position, grounding into three double plays. Um, They go hitless versus that bullpen that imploded in game one, failed to score runs when they put runners on with walks. And then Corey Knable redeems himself with a nice one, two, three, ninth inning to lock down the save. Max Scherzer gets tagged with his first regular season loss in 25 starts. Uh, May 30th, 2021 was his last regular season loss. Um, They had every chance to win. They just didn't come through. And the Phillies took game two. Yeah, I feel like um, we, we talk a lot when we do our series probables about, like, you shouldn't bank on a sweep. You shouldn't be asking for a sweep. But, like, this was a game the Mets definitely could have won. I also kind of feel bad because our formula is I take the uh, the bread games and you take the meat of the sandwich. You're always getting the loss, man. That's You're always okay. getting Let's the loss. Let's sandwich it in with a, with, a, <laughs> with a victory at the game three. 
Yeah, so they came back uh, for game three, the second game of the day for that doubleheader. The Mets lost their first doubleheader game of the year in that first game, but Pete Alonso was on one in this game. He had a two-run tater off Christopher Sanchez in the first inning. Chris Bassett was on the hill against the Phillies. He put together a solid start. He's been yielding soft contact all year, and that was kind of his formula for success in this game. Five and two-thirds innings pitched, one earned run on five hits with just one walk, four strikeouts, threw 101 pitches, and allowed a home run. But after a J.D. Davis error, he, he retired uh, 11 consecutive batters in a row, which is really good. Lowers his ERA to 2.45 over six starts. Alonzo again later in the game in the fifth inning off Nick Nelson, who kind of has, like, stymied the Mets a little bit this year in his relief. He uh, waited on a th- uh, 2-0 fastball right down the pipe and just tattooed it. I think like 450 feet, three-run homer for him. He went three for five, two homers, five RBIs on the day. And then Chase and Shreve, Drew Smith, and Seth Lugo were awesome in relief, three and a third shutout innings. Drew Smith has yet to allow a run in 12 and a third innings this year. And Chase and Shreve has been quietly maybe the third best reliever in the Mets bullpen on a minor league deal. He lowers his ERA to 1.54. Lugo's all the way back down to 3.18 after that rocky start. The Mets win the series. They move to 20-10. and 10. They take another set, and they're 6-3 and three versus Philly this year, which is awesome. Yep, and they uh, rescheduled a game for later. They're going to have another scheduled doubleheader. I think it's in August. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. We can get you the date. Yeah, I think it's August um, think, 20th. Yeah, August 20th, although they have a scheduled doubleheader to, to make up for the one game that they did lose. Um, a good series, man. That first comeback, epic, epic comeback, like an absolute – definer we talked about next man up that was next man up 27 outs that's a style of baseball that is beautiful to watch easy to root for um you're, they're never done they never just cash it in never just roll over and let the game go because they know they got to play tomorrow that is hard to do because the season is so, 162 games is so many games it's really easy for a team down seven to one in the ninth you know to just be like all right you know, let's just go ahead and end this. I'm not trying to do anything, but Marte legs out that single. Uh, that was huge, man. And then and then Lindor jumps on that first pitch, looked good, a beautiful classic Lindor swing. And then they just kept it going. That was awesome. Uh, Scherzer looked pretty good. He, he, he gave up 10 hits, which has got to be like his high for a long time. So but many little dinks, like, though. A lot of them were little bloops over, you know, infield choppers. Um, again, Harper got him a couple of times. Alec Bohm actually did like a, they had like a little hit and run where he, he scooted one, but you know, kind of a tough loss thing. And that's what happens. And then Bassett, I was so impressed with Chris Bassett in game three. Uh, he had one of those, he got hit a, a stupid balk called on him that could have, you know, shaken his momentum and his confidence. And instead he just was like, all right, I'll handle that. He had a J.D. Davis error that was, you know, pretty bad. And he goes, oh, okay, I'll just pick it up. Uh, that's what you need out of a veteran guy. You know, it's easy to say Max Scherzer uh, transitions for the for the Mets, like, you know, acquisitions with Marte and, and everything. Chris Bassett has just been that solid guy, that steadying presence, that force to just solidify how good this rotation really is. Uh not an unsung hero, but I think maybe even underappreciated, you know, for for how good he's been and how good he's he's been in his career the last couple of years. So um, yeah, I think I think underappreciated is the better word there because like we don't we don't know how 
good Chris Bassett is. We we got very very hyped up when they acquired him. Um, but I think that his formula for how he succeeds is perfect for this team. Uh, he, uh, I think he's the leader in MLB right now for the lowest velocity average on contact against him. And for a team that is great defensively, aside from that J.D. Davis error, that is a formula for consistent, continued, sustainable success. Uh, and Bassett just looked great. He kept his composure. Uh, Segura hit the home run off him. He also hit one right to the warning track later on that I think just stayed in. Probably would have been out on a different day, but uh, we'll take that to the bank. Um, and also about Max Scherzer, I think it's kind of funny um, just like that our, our standard for Scherzer is so high because we know how good he is that a uh, six-inning, three-earned run performance is considered like he was kind of off his game a little bit. Like 10 hits stands out for sure. He still didn't walk anybody, still struck out seven, let up his home run that, you know, he usually does. So, I mean, Scherzer still had a great start. I expect six with one run and 10 punches every day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's the bar set high because he's that good and he's getting paid to do that. Um, he pitched a, he had a quality start, you know, that's the, that's the old, you know, definer. Um, I'll take it, but you know, his expectations are high and they should be high. Uh, shout out to Alonso yeah. game three looked incredible. You know, I'm, I'm a, here's the thing. The Mets style of baseball is sustainable, good defense, manufacturing runs. They are very heavily reliant upon Pete Alonso's power production. Yes. Yeah, I'm a little worried. Pete Alonso has been – he plays every day. He's in there every day regardless. Um, but I would like to see somebody step up with a little bit of pop. Lindor showed some, but I would like – Eddie Escobar had a rough – has had a rough run. Um, Marte still isn't hasn't hit his stride. Mark has been hitting – um, but his power is not there yet. Uh, we need somebody, you know, I think maybe if you, I don't know who it could be. Well, yeah, that's like Maybe the toughest Davis part of this whole that thing. Guy. That's where I was going to kind of take this conversation. So Eddie Escobar is 0 for his last 12. He has one home run in the year. Canna, 1 for his last 9. One home run in the year. Like, these guys are doing what they do great, but you're not getting the pop you need out of them. Dom Smith, ever since, you know, winning that roster spot back, 0 for 8, 4 strikeouts. J.D. Davis, you know, he doesn't he doesn't play every day, but he had a great series when he did play. And I highlighted it, uh, I think, in the notes some, uh, here somewhere. Dom did strike out before J.D. Davis is at bat in that seven-run uh, rally in the ninth inning. Uh, so the, the game was kind of turned to J- J.D. in that moment. And he, you know, he, he seized the spotlight, and I, I was really impressed. I just feel like he's taking a lot of good at-bats. I feel like the formula to get J.D. out, the book is out on high fastballs. Pitchers know that. They know how to feed him that, and I think he's kind of adapting a little bit. I've, I feel like we've seen him take a lot of walks this season. I feel like he's waiting to get his pitches, and he's still catching the fastballs that are lower in the zone. I kind of think that like maybe, because we have a Nat series with Patrick Corbin coming up, which J.D. Davis is his best friend. They love each other. Uh, and three you know, pretty shaky Nats pitchers as a whole. I think this would be a really good opportunity to maybe play J.D., every game and just see what he has uh, because I feel like he's been taking really good at-bats when he gets them. Uh, and like you said, the Mets are kind of desperate for power right now. Like, you don't want Lindor to be that guy. You want Lindor to just keep his head straight and do what he does best and succeed that way because he looks much more comfortable this year, in my opinion. Um, but at the same time, somebody needs to protect Pete because you're, like, you're not going to get those Sunday game twos all the time where Pete just carries the entire offense and gets five RBI. He's going to have an off day, and that's perfectly fine. He's human. Uh, but somebody needs to be there to pick up the slack. And yep. I, I I like J.D. Davis right now. I think so, too. I, I saw some of your your tweets 
um, in favor of JD. And that made me think like he might be the guy to, to step in behind Alonso, but he's going to have to be a steady presence. I think it's going to be Eddie Escobar once he kind of gets his, gets his uh, feet planted firmly in the ground and kind of decides kind of, and it looks like he's still searching for his identity in this offense a little bit. He doesn't sure what he wants to do. Um, he just needs to play some ball. Uh, they're still winning. They're still doing great. Um, this is a, a sustainable formula. I just don't want the Mets to rely on Alonso, even though he is very capable of carrying this team. Uh, I just think that, you know, God forbid something were to happen to Alonso, um, that if he missed any significant time, there's a there's a glaring hole, which is what kind of why we were talking about trying to acquire Schwab or something like that. And right. there's, there's still moves that could be made. Well, I mean, at the trade deadline, there are a ton of guys that could easily so there'll be slot into that out DH there if, if there's a need, if the Mets see that there's a need, uh, along with, you know, they were talking about since Trevor May went down trying to get a, a back-end bullpen. I think Shreve and, and Drew Smith, Drew Smith for sure is is proven so through any bit of the lineup. I actually really do believe in Chase and Shreve. I believe in Jason Shreve. Is that a thing? That's a shirt right there, baby. We've been churning out the merch. Oh my gosh, uh, I do, man. I love that splitty that he brings. He's he's a smart pitcher. He's learned who he is. He learned who he's not. He's not trying to do things that love are that. out of his comfort zone. Uh, very, very good. I feel. I just feel comfortable when he's on the mound. I and do I too. Feel like you don't get that a lot from a guy that like you brought in on a minor league deal. You weren't even sure if he was going to make the team. And he just looks like he's been a part of this bullpen for years. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's the key you talked about. You just feel good. You feel confident when he's on the mound. That's That's not just a fan watching the game. That's what the whole team feels. And when you, when you feel it, when you're watching, but Buck feels it, Hefner feels it. And so does the rest of his team understands that he's going to come in and he's going to give you a solid outing. That goes a long way because it's it's palpable. You can feel confidence, um, you know, through and through. It, it shows, you know, those shaky bullpen outings where, you know, back when Familia had a, a rough time finding the strike zone and it's just like you're just moving around in your seat. That's that's a, an actual feeling the whole place has. And so it's Chase and Shreve has been solid, man. So I, I like them. I like him at the back. Joely looking like every bit the guy that they needed him to be. It's crazy. He fits. He fits better. You know, I was talking about it during this that trade. Everybody was down on Castro leaving. Understandably, his stuff is you know second to none, pretty much. Um, but Joely fits this bullpen, man. His his where he sl- slots in, uh, it's special. I tweeted it, but I said I'll, I'll gladly eat my words on Joely Rodriguez if he's going to be this good. He's he looks like he's figured out. His approach, I feel like Buck is figuring out how to use him a little bit more properly, too. Um, ever since he was a big piece of that no-hitter, I just feel like his confidence is up, and I feel like the Mets are using him uh, in better spots. I have a I have a fun question for you, because oh, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm genuinely curious. I want your, You're an unbiased media personality, so I want the raw answer. The Mets are in a high-intense playoff game. Doesn't matter where it is. It's important. They have to win it. It's one to nothing. It's the eighth inning, and there's three righties coming up. Who gets the eighth inning before Edwin Diaz? It's Drew Smith for me. It's not even close right now. It's yep, Drew Smith. Again, things can change throughout the year, but right now, you know, it's easy to look at the numbers, and Drew, he hasn't given up a run, but he is 
he's done it in all different roles and he's been doing it for a while. He did it last year and he's gotten nothing but better. So um, Drew Smith's my guy at the back end right there. Yeah, I feel like we're like every start, I feel like I see him coming a little bit later, and I feel like eventually he's just gonna be the setup guy. And I'm I'm cool with it. I really I am, am so cool with it. Everybody, that's the thing. you you've got a huge, you know, Ottavino is 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 a established veteran. He's not gonna bitch and moan that that Drew Smith slides in after him. Trevor May's the same way. These guys, when healthy, they're great. Ottavino's nasty, he's proven it. Um, but Drew Smith can do it in a different way and a more consistent way in my vision. And so, yeah. uh, these guys are, are understanding and they all want to win a world series. And so Drew Smith right now, you know, until proven otherwise is slated behind Edwin Diaz and Edwin Diaz. Oh yeah. Boy, he looks, he looks great. I, it, it is so crazy how, um, the fan base perception of Edwin Diaz has flipped so quickly. He and earned it. He, I, I was going to say the same thing. He's absolutely earned it. He's just looked lights out. And I, I know that, like, it's too early to, to call these things, but I feel like uh, we've seen a lot of closers struggle this year or come back down to earth, but nobody has taken a step forward like Edwin Diaz has. And I feel like he, he is in the realm of, like, a top three, top two reliever right now. And I'm just – and it, it begs the question, like, he's a free agent soon like we have to start thinking about like is he the is he the plan going forward obviously that's a that's a back burner question but it's really nice to think that when the trade deadline eventually comes and the Mets will likely move to make acquisitions acquiring a closer I think is something they don't need to worry about yeah I agree um and as far as as like the long-term sustainability and and do they lock them up the good thing is I think I think sugar is wants to be here, wants to be with the Mets. He's already seen what it's like when you change and you go to a new place and you have all these expectations on you. He's seen his struggles. He's very comfortable and being comfortable and confident in yourself is we've seen it, uh, how important it is, especially in shorter outings. Um, And so I think he wants to be here too. They're set up for success. When does he become a free agent? Is it after next year? I need to check. I initially thought it was after this year. I think it might be after 2023. I'm going to get you that right now. Yeah. I mean, either way, it's, it's, even Not, if it's he a, is a, uh, he's a free agent after this season, after this season. So I can yep. see them, you know, getting together and being a mutual thing. Um, Cause he, he wants to win too. And this team is set up, you know, he can give him Scherzer's going to be here, DeGrom, you know, all that. Yep. Uh, so the pieces are here for sustained success. They'd be nice. And it's, it's such a nice arc because he yeah. goes from a nice, quiet, rainy Seattle to coming to a scary New York market in the juiced ball year and just set up for complete failure. And he's really come around. It's really been nice to see. Uh, before we get to our apple of our eye segment. Okay. Jerry, I got to tell you about DraftKings, dude. Oh, yeah, tell me. Got to tell you about DraftKings. Guys. Slide into stacks of cash this baseball season with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Place a bet on the Mets this week because they got the Nationals coming up, and I think we all know what's going to happen. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling cocky. I'm feeling a little show. 
New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $100, $150, excuse me, in free bets no matter what if you win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the MLB season with DraftKings' same-game parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many bases will be stolen, total runs, and more. It's your shot in an even bigger payout. So like Mets win, Starling Marte stolen base, Pete Alonso home run. Get yourself some cash. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOMBOY as always. Bet just $5 and get $150 in free bets no matter what happens on the field. That's promo code JOMBOY at the DraftKings Sportsbook. There you go. Nailed it. As always. Now on. on to the apple of our eye. <sighs> Jerry, you go first as always. You want me to go first? Of course. All right. I'm going to go first. Um, we didn't discuss this pre-show. I just want to highlight. We talked about his his dependency in the Mets, how much they depend on him. The apple of my eye is Mr. Pete Alonso. Woohoo! There's nobody that earns it more. The more and more I watch Pete Alonso, the more I appreciate him. I've always been a big fan. I think he is a budding superstar in this game, not just in the New York media. He's already an established home run hitter. I truly believe personality wise, he's kind he's not like your, he's not like Fernando Tatis, um, Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna, you know, uh, Bryce Harper, all these like superstars. He is like a a different style of of ball player. He doesn't look like Giancarlo Stanton, but he's a big strong guy, right? He's a big strong guy. He's a big exactly. strong guy. He's 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 like an everyman, like a you know. Um, he's can I he's can I got, say one thing? Yeah, go ahead. I think the reason why I love Pete Alonso so much is that Pete Alonso isn't cool. He's yes. like not like he doesn't have swag. He's like a goofball. He's always like sliding all over the place, making goofy plays, but he just mashes and he yes. loves the Mets and I love him. I agree, man. He loves baseball. His 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 vigor for the game of baseball and life in general is he's so I was talking to Jimmy John Boy and we were trying to figure it out because uh he loves Pete Alonso as well. And he used the word to describe Pete Alonso that I think is perfect. And he's earnest. Yes. He's not cool. Although he thinks he is a little bit and he <laughs> wants to be really badly. And I love that too. I it's do great. too. It's earnest. It's so endearing and, and likable. He's like the kid in the, the cool kids group at the, at the lunch table in high school. That's just like, yeah, we love him, man. He's here. Yeah. He's, you know, he's, he's one of us. He he's like, yeah, he's us. one of us. He's, he's a great athlete, but just kind of a goober. Uh, I love Pete Alonso. Uh, he, this series went five for 12, two home runs, five RBI, three runs scored a walk and only three punch outs. Um, he carried the team in game three, a very, very important game to win to to solidify that series to move him into the off day uh he's my he's my guy he leads the national league with 26 rbi he trails only jose ramirez uh who's in the cleveland guardians lineup who has 30 uh right behind him uh he's a special player he's really starting to shine this mets team is special i think he's going to start to get an elevated attention he's not even like a talk of his when people talk about the Mets, they they'll they'll just be like Lindor, Scherzer, Degrom, 
Diaz and then be like, oh, yeah, they have a guy, Pete Alonso, who's a, a great home run hitter, won a couple of home run derbies. But I don't think he gets his just due. Uh, but we're about to I think we're going to see it. Yeah, I, I, I love that you put out that last part about how he's like our home run hitter. I feel like I've seen Pete go oppo and beat the shift like more than I ever have in his entire career in just this one like month and two weeks alone. He's been just like such a dynamic hitter this year and like he's well on pace for over 100 RBIs, which I think is awesome. That's going to keep happening because right now he is the uh, score guy's guy because like like we said before, there's not a lot of protection behind him. So he's always getting these opportunities with runners in scoring position, which is really nice because in that like August, September swoon last year, there was always bases empty and it was always solo home runs for Pete. And I just felt bad because I felt like it was a barren wasteland for him in that lineup. And now he's just got table setters galore. And I feel like he's really thriving because of it. So great pick, obviously, for Apple of our eye. A little claps for Peter Lando, yeah. our, guy, our uncool king. Love him. Uncool. Uh, I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go a little different here. I thought about Chris Bassett. Uh, this was a standard Chris Bassett start. He looked great. Uh, nothing too spectacular, but he does what Chris Bassett does, which I loved. He was needed in that game three as well, man. And exactly. he overcame a couple of hiccups that could have gone momentum swings the other way. I like that. I heavily, heavily considered Adonis Medina because oh. um, two and two-thirds innings pitch, nowhere in runs, one hit, one strikeout in the game one comeback. I mean, if he's shaky and gives up the two runs that you might expect him to, like that game is – it already seemed out of reach, but it's way more out of reach. Um, so he was integral to that comeback, and he's not going to get any recognition for it. He's not my pick. My pick is going to be the guy that started and ended the rally on Game 1, and that's Starling Marte, who really looks like he's coming around now. It really looks like he's starting to get hot, which I love. We gave him some love in the Arizona series, but he looks even better now. I feel like this is the beginning of the hot streak where he starts to come around. He went 5 for 11, two doubles, a home run, two RBI, three runs, a walk, three strikeouts. The only thing he didn't do in this series, which kind of shocked me, was steal a base. And I feel like, you know, we've kind of seen him step back from that ever since he got caught a few times. But Marte is taking good at-bats. He's jumping on pitches that he can hit when he sees them. I feel like he was being, like, a little overly patient towards the beginning of the season. He was working a lot of good at-bats. And I think that I'm glad that the Mets are moving him away from the top of the lineup because he's been getting hits in a lot of high-leverage situations. And that's not really someone you want in the one or two hole, even though that's, like, what Marte has traditionally done. He's a speedster. He hits for contact. It makes sense to put him at the top. But we have Nimmo up there. We have Jeff McNeil, who never strikes out. He's always making contact and slapping it around. You can have Marte in the middle of the lineup to get these guys in. He's not your power guy, and we talked about that before. But when Marte is hitting, like, fifth or sixth, I'm feeling really good about this Mets lineup. It showed in the series, and I hope that he just steadies it and continues taking good at-bats, keeps working walks, keeps coming around to score. And, you know, that that seven-run rally, that doesn't start if uh, he grounds out to begin the inning. I really think it just doesn't get jump-started that way. Um, so Starling Marte, he gets the apple of my eye. But I love I love both of those guys. I, think I do too, man. Uh, I, I really want Starling Marte to shine. I really am – I if – if he really dials it up to where he can be, I saw what he did last year with the A's when they acquired him. Oh yeah. He became the best player on that team with, with Matt Olson, with, with Canna, with Matt Chapman. Uh, He became the, the catalyst, the spark plug for that team uh, kind of right off the bat. And so I, I want him to, to, to get comfortable and to, to start to be himself. Um, so badly because it's special what he can do. It's different. And this, this, 
this Mets lineup, this offense is catered to guys like him succeeding. And I think once he really gets comfortable and slides in wherever the case may be, I think it's going to be, you know, the Mets can turn it up another level because he's so dynamic. Um, yeah, he went to he went to Oakland, played 56 games, hit 16 doubles, five home runs, 30 RBI, stole 25 bases in 56. That's a stolen base every two games. Also hit 316. He's crazy. Ah, he, he's that he can be that good. That was last season. He can be. Um, you like so great. I like both of our guys. You mentioned uh, Adonis Medina, Jason Shreve. Uh, we talked about Drew Smith. So this is the difference between a really good team and a great team is the the depth of the bullpen. Yep. Because it gives the Mets a chance when you're down seven to one or five to two and you can't go to your primary relievers, you bring in another guy. Your job is to keep it close and allow a dynamic offense a chance to come back, to have some breathing room. You have no break. This is what's great is the bullpen is deep, man. Everybody that they bring in is very capable of throwing up zeros consistently, um, and that will give you a chance to come back and, and snake a couple of wins at the end. Um, if it's consistent, if all these guys continue to produce at such a, a really, really great levels, this team's going to win a lot of ball games, man, because they're going to they're going to be in chances to sneak some comebacks or take advantage of of a reliever on another team having a bad day and they're going to be able to jump all over that, man. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, after that shaky start where they blew a couple games, uh, the uh, bullpen ERA is down to 3.53. Uh, they're fifth in batting average against with 206. And I just feel like, you know, it's, it's, it's a good group. They all do different things. Well, um, Adonis Medina, he's the one that I highlighted. It's really nice to have a four pitch long reliever, just chilling in your bullpen that you acquired for nothing. From the Pittsburgh Pirates, and I like he, he could be a starter on it, like a, you know a, a bad like team a right Pittsburgh now. Pirates. Like a Pittsburgh Pirates, he probably could be starting games there. Instead, the Mets just have this guy in the back of their bullpen. Another thing I wanted to highlight: the Mets are eighth in soft contact percentage against for their bullpen, twenty point six. I feel like I see so many Mets pitchers this year that are just ground ball specialists that are just getting the ball on the ground at low velocities and setting up their defense for easy plays and success. And I feel like that's just been kind of Jeremy Hefner's entire philosophy with these guys is just keeping the ball down, getting guys to swing at bad pitches, but still making contact. Like we don't need to strike out everybody missing barrels. barrels. That's That's all it is. That's what you're trying to do at all times is to miss barrels, create weak contact. Yep. Um, That game one could have been a 25 to five ball game. Easily. easily. It could have, it could have steamrolled. I was proud of Taiwan for kind of bouncing back from that first inning. Um, He got roughed up still. He didn't have his great stuff, but going four and six, that's after that first inning. It looked, it looked like the Pittsburgh start. It looked like it was going to be really, really bad. And it could have been, it almost should have been, especially in that lineup. And, And then the first game of a, of a four game set, you know, turned out to be three, but you just you wear into your bullpen and your bullpen's fatigued because they they threw you know eight innings in the game one of this this series, uh, but it didn't turn out to be that way and it was it set up the rest of the series. Um, it would have been even more of a momentum builder had the two rainouts uh, not happened. Uh, yeah. But here we are, man. I was gonna say um, like it's really tough to have uh, what Gary Cohen put as a, a win that you can feed off of for months. 
um, and then go and miss two days of baseball immediately. This very easily could have been a series that the Mets lost, especially after they lost the first game of the doubleheader. I feel like that would have really thrown a wrench in the team's momentum, and I know like momentum has many definitions. A lot of people don't believe in it. Whatever. I think it's palpable for this Mets team. I think it's very I not true. Believe in momentum. Yeah, like I, that's a whole other thing, but. You can't you can't calculate it. You, it's 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 exactly. If you can't put a number on it, it's not. If real. you don't know yeah. how to to write it down, then it doesn't exist. But these guys in the clubhouse know it, and I, I really like this uh, this quote from Pete after the game because uh, he gets asked about the Mets being the first team to twenty wins, uh, which they were, which is really nice at only six game lead. He says, hell yeah, that's great, but we want to win the division. And I feel like I've heard that from Scherzer. I've heard it from Bassett. These guys don't care about how well that they've started because if they're not hanging around by September, none of this shit matters. And we know that from last year. This team was in first place for three and a half months. We had our eyes set on the postseason, and then the wheels just fell off because these guys were living in the moment and not living for what could be happening later on in the season. So it feels like the whole mentality is different. I feel like... Maybe a prior Mets team gets down on themselves, loses their etch after that first game and two rainouts, and loses the series. But these guys are different. We keep saying it. This team is just different. A little different. It feels different. different. Cool. I I love it. You want to move on to the preview Mm. of the three game set against the the Mets uh, Nationals? You want me to go ahead? Yeah, man. Go for it. Game one, we have Cookie Carrasco against Patrick Corbin. Cookie coming off that eight-inning beautiful outing of his, uh, really solidified himself as a bright spot in this already shining star of a rotation against Patrick Corbin, who has struggled, had a couple of uh, good quality back-to-back starts coming in. Uh, But the guys that we'll be watching to face off against Patrick Corbin are as the aforementioned Pete Alonso, 11 for 32 career with four homers, seven RBI. J.D. Davis, the guy that might be protecting the polar bear, versus Corbin, 10 for 30. It's pretty good with four homers and six RBI. Game two, Tylor, Silor McGill against Aaron Sanchez. We might remember Aaron Sanchez as the guy in Toronto who looked like a budding superstar, had some weird finger blister issues and then kind of never bounced back. Um, But we get Sanchez who has yet to allow less than three runs or go more than five inning pitch in any game start. Uh, Most Mets have no history against this guy, uh, which is good or bad. We'll see. Uh, And Miguel had a, uh, McGill had a decent start versus Atlanta last time out uh, inflated by Adovino cashing in all three of those runs. He really looked like Tyler. Uh, He looked great, and uh, he held the Nats scoreless over five innings with no walks on opening day. His opening day start where he was popping 99, looking every bit the budding ace. That brings us to game three, Mr. Taiwan Walker, looking to bounce back from his rough outing with the Phillies against Joan Adan and his 6.99 ERA. Uh, Alonso is one for three career with a grand slam off Adan. Uh, this will be Taiwan's first start versus a team not named the Philadelphia Phillies of this year, which is good. Uh, he was roughed up in his last start, looking to bounce back. And the Mets have scored four off of Adon and four and a third innings pitch in his lone start against the Mets this year. Nicely done, Jerry. Thank Can you. I say Thank nicely done? Yeah, a lot, a lot of good takeaways here. One is Cookie, who really bounced back well in his last start, really looked awesome. Um, great response to a tough start against St. Louis. Really, look, JD's going to start against Patrick Corbin every time this team faces him. Of course, like the book is out. JD owns this guy. We know it. 
Uh, Tyler McGill, his ERA should be lower. Otto just he had a, he pitched the third day in a row. It happens. He was fatigued. We could all tell. Tyler looked really good. I'm not worried about him at all. He owned the Nats when they faced him for the first time. Uh, Aaron Sanchez is a name I haven't heard in a while, so good for him. Glad he's back in the bigs. Uh, and then Taiwan Walker, he finally gets to not face the Phillies. Like I feel like a lot of people are making fun of the Phillies because of the defense and the bullpen. But like to act like this team is bad is incorrect. Like that lineup can mash any time that they want. And if they get things going, they're going to be scary. And Taiwan had to face them three times in a row. Like, we already talked about how tough it is to face a team back-to-back starts. Every outing so far this year, Taiwan has had to face this behemoth of a lineup. So I'm glad he's getting a little breather here. Hopefully he shows up versus the Nats and has a good start. Because, you know, David Peterson had five shutout innings in AAA. Like, he's still hanging around. He still wants that spot. So, I mean, there's a little room for competition there, which I kind of like. Yeah, and uh, we're coming into Washington. Who's the, the best hitter in all the land? Uh, it's probably Cesar Hernandez, right? He might be, (laughs) but, uh, it's Mr. Juan Soto, obviously. Uh, Uh, I believe he's in a little bit of a slump. Yeah. Are we, uh, can we say that? I want to, I want to read you a very fun stat line because I think it perfectly encapsulates the year that the nationals are having. Juan Soto has six home runs, which is really good. Do you want to guess how many RBI he has? Um, 14. Eight. <laughs> <laughs> Ty, Sorry, Juan Soto is going funny. through what Pete Alonso went through last year. There's nobody on base for him ever. Um, he's doing what he does. He has tw- he leads MLB with 24 walks. So, like, a slump, yes, because his OPS is, like, the lowest it's ever been at 863. Uh, but he's still Juan Soto, and he still has uh, punched against the Mets plenty throughout his career. Uh, I don't expect him to look bad this series. I expect him to take good at bats. But yes, I guess you can technically say this is the weakest version of one set we've seen. Okay, well, I'll take it. The weakest version. I'm. A, I'm. A, I'll, I'll allow it. Oh, we'll take it. Yeah. So again, this the the lineup for the Nats that we're gonna be looking for. It's is Juan Soto. You've got Josh Bell, and is Nelson Cruz healthy? Nelson Cruz is healthy. He's been actually one that's been not hitting great. He's been, Josh he Bell, on the other hand, has he's been He's had great. a rough start. Josh yeah. Bell looks like the Josh Bell from from Pittsburgh. He looks really good. He's doing a good job. Nelly Cruz, Cruz is batting struggling. 157, 50 OPS plus, three homers on the year, uh, no doubles. So it's kind of been home run strikeout or bust, that kind of hitter. Yep. So, uh, you know, again, it's, it's a short sample size of a start. He can easily still be Nelson Cruz, the ageless wonder. Yep. Um, but yeah, this will be, should be another series win. Um, you beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. Uh, so I expect the Mets to come out and start throwing some, some haymakers early. Yeah, this is a, a kind of an important series for the Mets because uh, we, we detailed it in previous episodes, but they have a tough month of May. They're in the middle of it right now, and they're doing a good job. After this Nat series, which I consider kind of a break, it's Seattle, who have been slumping, but that's a good team. St. Louis for four at home. That's a very good team who we have some beef with, so that's a big series. Uh, and then we go on a West Coast trip. We face the Rockies, who have been playing a good brand of baseball. The Rockies have been at- doing really well. They're great at home, too, and that's where we're going to be playing them. And then you go to three uh, with San Francisco, who also a great team in the NL West. And then you close the month with another set with Philly. So you have five, one, two, three, five consecutive series against good teams. Uh, so the Mets need to get fat here, uh, win a series against a team they know they can beat, uh, because there's no breaks for basically the rest of the month. 
This is the first time that the that a team from the East Coast goes to the West Coast and doesn't play San Francisco and LA on the same road trip. What are we doing? Which is I I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. Well, I I'm mean, what are we cool doing though? Knock it oh, out. Oh, I have no idea. Travel. I, We're gonna have to go back to the West Coast again. Just get it out. Yeah, you're you you're still you're still feeling I'm scarred, dude. I don't want over <laughs> last year's thirteen game road trip that was <laughs> I'm scarred for life, man. Well we we go back yeah, it's really weird actually. So here, here's what happens. We go to Colorado and San Francisco the week of the 20th through the 25th. Then we come home for Phillies and Nats and then and Braves. And then we go back to L.A. right after that. That's what so, I mean. Just yeah. knock it out. Like, that sucks. That's a, yeah, they uh, go L.A., that's San that's Diego. six hours on a plane both ways, East Coast to West Coast time zone. That's a real deal. Like, that's tough. silly. But this is what you get when you when you you know lock out the players, and then the players have to be the ones that wear it. So it's leverage. That's why they keep as doing always. It. I, I don't know. I don't want to get into it. But that's a tough. That's a tough little West Coast home West Coast. Yeah, but these guys they've been playing well. I feel like they're built for it. They're ready for the challenge. They're um, gonna be uh, able to overcome any obstacle that comes at them. Yes. So um, I think that's that's all we got. I believe. Yeah. Good app. And Jason Shreve. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Gonna have to talk to the merch guys. I need to happen. Oh, they're sick of hearing about us. <laughs> they're sick of it. Are we? How's it? Yeah. We have a new idea every day. I my my whole goal is to see somebody in the wild with a Shea Station shirt sticker on their backpack, whatever the case may be. I want to see like this hoodie. Look at this hoodie. That's fire. That's, this is the embroidered, like, sewn so in. clean. It's so good. It's, like, going to be 85 today, but this is so comfortable in the office. Got my gray shirt um, on, as excited. always. By the way, it, oh, you're rocking it. I want to see somebody in the wild with uh, with some of our gear on. I really do. I, um, I w- also want to see that. I really want to see a great human being shirt out there, just because I feel like it's kind, of, it's kind of heat. It's kind of a good shirt. It's kind I of agree. fun. You don't need I to be a baseball a fan to wear of, it. of my son's, um, yep. like, his scooter helmet with a great human being sticker plastered on top. So people know. Your son's yeah, a great human they gotta being. know. It's kind of a cocky thing, but like, hey, I'm a great human being. Go to shop.jumboymedia.com slash station. Make Jerry a happy guy. Why not? I want to see you out there. All right. That's it, man. Let's get out of here. We'll see you guys on Friday to recap the Nats series. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. Keep winning. Don't use the series all of you. Well, I'm keeping on. Alonzo I believe in Tristan. Left to the ground at the bottom.